Welcome to Class 37. Today we will take a close look at Denethor and his choices, which will lead us to an examination of the theme of hope and despair that becomes so prominent at the end of Book 5. So, I, I, I had debated about whether, because we didn't talk about Eowyn uh, and the Nazgul, but I've decided, and I wanted, I, I'm, I'm going to not talk about her right now, but I'm bringing this up because I don't want you to think I'm just skipping over it. Um, I'm going to save it, and I want to do a whole Eowyn unit later on. Um, when she does her other bit in the Houses of the Healing in book six, we'll come back, and I want to look at the whole Eowyn story, because when we get what is basically the end of the Eowyn story, is I think the best time to really look in context. It helps us understand better um, what's going on here at this moment. So, I mean, we could talk about, like, sort of the sheer butt-kickingness of the confrontation between Eowyn and the, 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 the Lord of the Ring Wraiths, which would be cool, but it'll be even cooler later. So I just want to let you know, I'm not skipping it, I'm, I'm saving it, and, we'll, we'll, and we'll, we'll come back to it. So, Denethor, in the meantime. Um, what's Denethor's problem? Denethor is diagnosed. What's his problem? What are his problems? Yeah. Well, he said it in the so despair and desperation. <laughs> despair and desperation, yeah. I, despair. Also, huh? despair and desperation. Despair. Um, despair is his biggest problem. Right? Now, again, this is, of course, as I talked about last time, interesting in the course of the hope and despair stuff that we've seen. We've seen a lot, lots of examples, right? We get Theoden and Aemir uh, in the previous chapter, right? In the middle of the Battle of Pelennor Field, and we see how they understand hope and how they deal with hope and how they deal with despair. We see Denethor in, in some ways a parallel and in some ways a very different situation, reacting very differently. And then immediately afterwards, we get this long conversation in the last debate of the captains about what to do the day after the Battle of Pelennor. Right? In which they are also still using those same terms and talking about hope and despair and what they should do. Now, what does Denethor do? What is Denethor's problem? And this is another thing. It is very easy to be dismissive of Denethor if you're just coming from the movies. Because the movies will not give you any clear sense of what to expect from Denethor. Denethor has problems in the books, but his problems are very different from the problems of the Denethor in the films. Very different. Almost opposite, actually, in several ways. But yeah, go ahead. Just because I'm not sure if I was misreading this around, or I'm not even sure if this is the main cause of it, but it sounded like that when he was looking in the palantir, that Sauron was feeding like the little doubts he had, and was. Um, I know Aragorn says like you can't lie in the palantir, but he was like just showing him what could happen with like ministers burning down and all that. Okay, good. He's looking in the palantir. And he is being influenced by Sauron through the Palantir. Gandalf says, when they find the Palantir, he says, ah, and we see how the, how the will of our enemy entered even into the, into the center of, of the strongest citadel, right, through the Palantir. So Gandalf explicitly says, all right, this is how Sau- Sauron has been influencing things. But it's different, of course, and this is, of course, the second Palantir that Sauron has been using to do this. But it's clearly different. What's the difference between Denethor and the Palantir and Saruman and the Palantir? How do they work? I mean, like, not just their outlooks, 
but the actual use of the Palantir that the two of them were doing and the way Sauron was impacting them. Duncan, what's the difference? Um, well, I thought that I remember Gandalf saying to me about Denethor actually being too strong to, for Sauron to affect like a group of horse, I guess. Yes. Yes. I, one of the conclusions that we can draw from the difference between the Palantir is that Denethor appears to be actually stronger than Sauron. When Gandalf describes what happens to Saruman, he, he just in his conversation with, with Pippin, uh, near the end of the last chapter of, of, of Book 3, he says, now I see it all. I see what happened. That he looked in the Palantir until he finally had the foolishness to try to look at Baradur itself. And when he did, he was trapped. Sauron trapped him. The spider caught in a steel web, the biter bit. That's how... Gandalf describes what happens to Sauron. That he is overcome and his will and now he says, unless a will of adamant should look into the stone, it's just gonna it's now it doesn't work anymore, normally. Like anybody who picks up the Palantir of Orthanc now is just gonna be and now it's like a it's like a, a, a closed circuit system to Baradur. It's just a communication device to Sauron. Sauron has entrapped it. Or at least entrap the will of the one who looks in it. So now Saruman can't see anything besides, you know, whatever Sauron's Palantir room is when he looks in it. Which is why, as soon as Pippin looks in it, what does Sauron say? Yes, before he even realizes that it's not Saruman who's looking into it, the first thing, as soon as Pippin he says, Why have you neglected to report for so long? And then he realizes, oh, it's not Sauron. Um, Denethor doesn't do that. Denethor is not trapped. Which means he is either stronger than Saruman or wiser than Saruman, or both. Wiser than that he didn't actually try to scope out Baradur itself and get trapped this way. He's been using the Palantir as Palantirs can be used to look around, to see things afar off. That's what Palantir means. And uh, he and, and Saruman's Palantir Sar- Saruman lost the ability to do that with his Palantir because of how Saruman had him ensnared. So on the one hand, Denethor seems to be, for one reason or another, doing much better than Saruman. He is not just trapped. He does not become enslaved to Baradur as Saruman mostly does. He's still rebelling against Saruman. He's still, Saruman is still trying to set up for himself. So he is not yet just a complete lackey, but Saruman is using him as a lackey. Saruman is treating him like a lackey. Why have you neglected to report for so long? Right? Denethor, it's very different. Denethor is in control of the stone, and he's using it, but what happens? Saruman is still affecting him how? Elise? Well, in the passage it says that the knowledge that he obtained was at first of service to him, like the knowledge he obtained about Sauron, but then um, he saw the power of Mordor, and Sauron kind of fed on his despair, and so that yes. led to it kind of like going through. Yes, what he sees is true. Palantir don't lie, but Sauron both affects, both censors what he sees, and affects how he interprets what he sees. And this leads to his despair. Um, 
Now, I think we've had evidence of this before. It was already fairly obvious. Gandalf has had his suspicions before the moment where Denethor whips out the Palantir. I mean, you'll remember when Gandalf first shows up and Denethor spends all the time questioning Pippin and doesn't even talk to Gandalf. Gandalf is getting kind of snippy at the end of that conversation and say, is it nothing to you that, that Theoden has won a great battle in, in, in Rohan? And he says, yes, but I already know sufficient of these tidings to guide me. Now, how on earth could he... I mean, what, what, what was he, watching CNN? I mean, <laughs> there is no mass media. There is no way for... No one was running faster than Shadowfax. From there, Gandalf set off right from there to come down. No, no news could possibly have gotten there faster than Gandalf did. And yet here's, here's, uh, here's Denethor saying, oh yeah, old news. Right? Well, yeah, it's old news to his, him because it happened a couple days ago, and he saw it in the Palantir. So there's already been some evidence, some clues, that he had this kind of information. And also, even just in that, that he has accurate information. But it's manipulated information, and he is being manipulated. So that what he sees is really happening, but what he sees is being controlled. And the spin he puts on it is being controlled. And we should be remembering who? He is just like somebody else. Someone else who was seeing things from afar and seeing things as they were, but seeing all things crooked because seeing them through the eyes of an evil will, not sound, but more God. And this, the first thing that happened was an explicit curse. <clears throat> um, yeah. Burin. Burin. Yeah. Burin. Burin. This is what Morgoth does to Hurin. When Hurin defies him. And he takes Hurin and he sets him on a chair to look out and says, sit now and watch what happens to your family. Watch my curse. And then he gets out. He lets him go. What does Hurin do? Gives away the location of Gondolin. Yeah, it, it's, uh, in passing, gives away the location of Gondolin. And then, goes down, goes into Nargothrond, where, of course, Laurung is already dead, because Turin has killed him. So there's nobody in Nargothrond, except for Meme, the petty dwarf who has returned, and he's claimed Nargothrond for himself, and Turin kills him. Because it is known, I am Hurin, son of Galdor, and it is known to me by whom the dragon helm of Dorlonan was betrayed. Uh, Like, I'm Turin's dad, and I saw you betray him, um, and he kills him. And takes what? Some Marillion review here. Alexander coming up. Uh, Yes. Yes, the Naglamir, the, 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 the necklace of the dwarves. The greatest treasure of Finrod in Nargothrond, and he takes it where? <coughs> to Doriath. He goes to Fingal, and Melian, and Doriath, with the Naglamir. This great treasure. And he mocks them, and he casts it at their feet, and says, take this for your fair keeping of my children and my wife. 
And Melian says to him, he who sees through the eyes of Morgoth sees all things broken. You're mistaken. That's not how it was. We kept your wife and children as well as we could. We loved Dorian. We did everything we could to help him. With the voice of Morgoth, our greatest by friends. This is what has happened to Dorian. He is seeing what is there, but he is seeing all things crooked. He taunts Gandalf. For your hope is but ignorance. How? What's exhibit A for Denethor? Hope on them, he says to Gandalf. And he mocks Gandalf for his ignorance, for his naivete, for his hope. Why? Because all he sees is how powerful Sauron is growing. He doesn't realize that the, that Rohan is coming to their aid. Yep. He has not seen the Rohirrim marching down to help them. Even though, even now, while he's there doing this, they're fighting. Theoden isn't dead yet. He dies after this. Remember, they hear, and, and they hear the cry of the Lord of the Ring Wraiths as he dies. This happens after this. So, I mean, we're still in the early stages. Theoden is still charging and mowing down the Haradrim while they're up there? Page 835. Didst thou think that the eyes of the White Tower were blind? Nay, I have seen more than thou knowest, grave fool, for thy hope is but ignorance. Go then and labor in healing. Go forth and fight vanity. For, the little, for a little space you may triumph on the field for a day, but against the power that now arises there is no victory. To this city only the first finger of its hand has yet been stretched. All the east is moving, and even now the wind of thy hope cheats thee and wafts up Anduin a fleet with black sails. The west has failed. Exhibit A, that, Ga- that Gondor is doomed, even now a fleet with black sails is being what? You're all happy about this change in the wind? Your hope is but ignorance. I mean, in his defense, it was a really plausible conclusion to draw. And in fact, everybody else draws the same conclusion. As soon as the fleet arrives at the Harlan, which is the landing port of Minas Tirith, they're all ringing the bell, back to the wall, back to the wall, the Corsairs of Omar are upon us. Now, Pippin claims, after the fact, that uh, that he didn't believe it. Right? I was like, I think Strider, I thought it was you in the, in, the, in the ships, but they were all saying Corsairs and wouldn't listen to me. Right? But anyway, almost everybody in Minas immediately jumps to the same, again, perfectly logical These are the enemy ships. Why should they think that those enemy ships are full, not only of their own people from the men and the, and, the, and the southern lands of Gondor, but you know, the heir of Isildur returned from legend to come. I mean, that's not exactly a plausible conclusion <laughs> on itself. But of course, it's true. And his, and of course, it's Denethor who is deceived. He sees what's there. But he sees things crooked. He doesn't draw the correct conclusion. And this leads him to despair. Hope on that. Your hope is just a, is, but ignorance. Against the power that now arises, there is no victory. Now, 
Is this different? This is, is this a different assessment from Gandalf and Aragorn's? What's the response to that? Is the response to that actually, Denethor, you are incorrect? If we're plucky enough, we can we'll witness war. Vastly outnumbered though we be. Well, Gandalf doesn't really say that is a stupid conclusion. He says that counsel is the enemy's victory certainly be. Yes. Yes. The problem is not the assessment, but the conclusion one draws from the assessment. Right? Yes, okay, the enemy's forces are way greater than ours. Um, do we have a hope of victory? In the in the purest, in the in the most sort of clinical sense, right? If one were to just sort of place odds that we will win in battle, are those odds very high? No, those odds are not very high. Gandalf would agree with Denethor on that point. In fact, if you remember, he starts the, the great debate of the captains quoting Denethor. Listen to the words of the steward of Gondor before he died. You may triumph on the field for a day, but against the power that now arises, there is no victory. He says, I don't counsel you to despair as he did, but to ponder the truth in those words. Gandalf doesn't disagree. The whole premise of the last debate of the captains is, okay, given that we can't win, what do we do? That's, because I mean, again, it's not information that Denethor lacks. Now, there's some information, like who's in the ships he doesn't have, and that obviously has an impact, but still, he's right. So, if you think of despair and hope, if you think of it as just the difference between pessimism and optimism, do you think it's going to come out well, or do you think it's not going to come out well? Well, then hope is not the point. But that's clearly not how Gandalf is using the word despair, either in this scene or in the last debate. He is not saying, I don't counsel you to despair. He's not saying, hey, maybe we'll win. Let's, let's think on the bright side of things. Let's be optimistic. Sure, we're a long shot in this battle, but by golly, you know, I saw Hoosiers once, and underdogs can win, so let's think positively. That's not Gandalf's policy. The crux, what it's about, is the response to that. And this is where we, again, come back to the contrast um, that Derek made very appropriately last time between Theoden and, and Denethor, right? Both come to a conclusion that they can't win. Or are unlikely to win. Deeply unlikely to win. The difference is, what do they do? Denethor gives up and wants to kill himself. Theoden charges. A sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Amir despairs, but sings, laughs, and fights. Um... Denethor despairs as an action. He gives up. As an action, not as an assessment. Yeah. Um, it seems to me like with all these examples, you can kind of use despair in two ways, and one of those ways is almost a motivator. Like, you make peace with the fact that, okay, it's really unlikely we're going to win, but we have a job to do and we're going to do it, and it almost gives you more. Like, with Amir, it almost gives you 
that last twitch you need to just like get through it, and then you cast you cast you have to move Okay. Um, but of course, by definition, you can't hold out for a eucatastrophe, <laughs> right? So if you're sitting there saying any minute eucatastrophe, that is not a eucatastrophe, is it? But, yeah. but 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's the same with Sam Frodo almost in that like early early on once they split with the fellowship, they're like. There is really little chance we're going to come back, but they're like, but well, we have to do it anyway. They make peace with the fact that their frog's not going to live. Right. But now, one thing I should say, because I think it's, a, it's possible to misinterpret what I've, uh, one of the things that I said about Gandalf and Despair, <coughs> as he says, in the midst of all these policies comes the One Ring. Right? In other words, he despairs of victory by arms. But his, the whole premise of his argument is, I don't say to despair of victory, just not by arms. We're not going to win this war, but we still might beat Sauron. If the ring is destroyed. So, he does have hope, even in the sense of optimism, it might turn out well. If the ring bearer succeeds, it might turn out well. So. We don't have any chance of just fighting and winning straight up. But, but, you know, maybe we can still give the ring bearer time to do this. And this is why what they're doing at the Black Gate is self-sacrifice. For it may well be that we will all perish. But that, Gandalf says, is our duty. If by that we can give the ring bearer the time he needs, then... We, very broadly understood, will still win. Not then personally. But Sauron will still be destroyed. Taking from Gandalf's perspective, his stewardship will still be as it is. Um, so again, even, even on that simpler level of hope, uh, there, is, there is a positive thing. But again, with, with Denethor, it's not just a question of optimism versus pessimism. How do you respond? What do you do? When everything looks dark, when it looks like there's a 100% certainty of complete tragedy, how do you react? How do you respond? What leads him to respond the way that he does? Gandalf diagnoses that too. The moral failing that leads him to despair is what? This is what, uh, of course, Denethor objects to this diagnosis. Pride and despair? Pride. How does pride enter into it? Where do we see Denethor's pride feeding his despair? Good. We certainly see his overconfidence in his own information. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the business with the fleet with black sails. It's impossible that he doesn't know something. Right, right. And it's certainly impossible that he could be mistaken. Like about the food myself, for instance. Right, exactly. So his, his own certainty in his own judgment, in his own assessment. Um, Saruman once said to Gandalf when he was taking him captive, that he was proud and does not love advice. Now, Gandalf, that was untrue. But Denethor, that's kind of true. <laughs> right? This is why uh, 
you know, Gandalf says, do you think I don't understand why you spent all this time questioning one who knows least? Not just least of the two of them, but like least of anybody. Uh, I mean, Pippin, I think, has to be hands down the most ignorant member of the whole fellowship. I mean, there's nobody on the fellowship who knows less of what's happening and going on than Pippin did. Even Mary was comparatively knowledgeable. Uh, And Sam, too. But anyway, he says... Do you think I don't understand why you question for, for an hour one who knows least while I stood by? And Denethor says, if you understand it, then be content. Of course he's not going to be content. He knows Denethor doesn't want to come to Gandalf, ask for help or advice. So yeah, he's proud. We can see that there. But again, more. More on the link between the pride, his pride and his despair. Where do we see his pride manifested in his acts of his will? He wants to choose the hour of his own death. Yeah. And yeah, to choose the hour of his own death. Now, now wait. Humble people used to do that all the time. Like the good kings of Numenor? What did they do? How did the Numenorean kings used to die prior to the decline? How does Beor die in the summer early? The first guy that the elves watch die of old age. Sorry, it's a difficult question, but asking me to remember very specific things from earlier on. They die literally. Beor submits to death. He comes to his senses, now it's my time to die. So he just, he dies. The kings used to put aside their crowns, give them to their sons while their sons were still young and vigorous, and then they they would submit willingly to death. Whereas after the decline, as the Numenorians become more proud and more desperate, they begin to cling to life until life was, had to be, was taken from them, and they became, in the phrase that Tolkien uses, witless and unmanned, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, not only does he pick the hour of his own death, but if you're not said, but why not the son of his death? Yeah, I think that's like a pride thing. Because one son is going to die alone and then die next to so. Yes. Yes, good. He's, he is... Yeah, no, says it's not a point to be used to the family if you choose the hour of your own death. And certainly, you're not going to take part in your choice, huh? Um, he is choosing death on behalf of his son. And that is, I agree, deeply, it's arrogant enough to say, because of course, there's a huge difference between Denethor choosing the hour of his own death and the old Numenorean kings, or, 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 or good old Beor, the old Benoit's friend who dies. They died when it was their time to die. They didn't decide, like, well, you know, I think I'm going to die, you know, 15 years from today. They didn't choose it. They came to the, the end of their lives, recognized that they were that they, they, they were old. They had come to the end of their life and said, now it is my time. But they were still responding to something outside of themselves, not just, I'm done with life now. And that's what Denethor is saying. But, Cassie, exactly as you say, the depth of his arrogance is demonstrated in his making that choice on farming too. Even Pippin, even Pippin can see that he needs medicine more than Jesus. Um, 
But finally, but Denver doesn't care. Denver doesn't care. Maybe he could be healed. It doesn't matter. But again, here we can see how his outlook has been has been infected by his time with the Palantir. He has become deeply pessimistic. He doesn't believe Farnley is going to recover. They have set a fire in his flesh. Meaning he has a fever. Actually, a good sign of anything. I mean, he's he's going to be okay now. He was close to death. Aragorn says, uh, you know, the time is coming for the closest to Farnley. Aragorn's going to get Farnley soon. He is going to die. But he doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer? He also chooses the worst possible time to make a big spectacle, spectacle out of killing himself. Gandalf almost doesn't even come because there are more important things going on that he has to draw that attention onto himself. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. It is a deeply inconvenient time to be like, now I am the center of attention. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I've said before that I understand that when you are trying to tell a story in a film genre, you have to make things more exaggerated and more visible where they're not going to come across. I, I recognize that and I totally appreciate that. But what they did with Jennifer was still not necessary. You don't actually have to have him say, abandon your pose. Everybody, just run around in circles and die right now. Like, got that, actually. <laughs> I think there would have... I do think that even in film, there would have been subtler ways than that to convey this. But still, I will say, in despite what I find to be the deep awkwardness of that moment in the movie, and, and it's being way over the top, nevertheless, they're still picking up on something that's genuinely there. And Shen, I think you're exactly right about that. He is detracting from the defense of the city. He is... People are running around leaderless. Remember how important? Remember Rohan? Well, Theoden was was still stooping on his throne. And compared with Rohan, once he steps out and leads the battle. Uh, I mean, they, the people are leaderless. Uh, there are other people there. There's Prince Imrano, who's a great guy. right? And he's the one who takes over in the short term. And there was Faramir, of course. But he leaves a vacuum at the worst possible time. And Chantal, as you point out, it's not just, I'm going to retreat and do nothing. I'm going to become a distraction. Now, most of the people don't know what's happening. So it's not like he's actually distracting the attention of, of, of like a, a large portion of the populace. Um, but, but, yeah, this is a pretty conspicuous time to be very well. Um, yeah. Um, he also says, but in this at least, thou shalt not have my love for my wants to have dominion over instead of submitting to Russia. Yes. Yes. Even his desire to have dominion over himself is not a good thing. I mean, asserting dominion over other people, this is already shaked. Someone he's saying things like, may I not even rule my own servants? And Gandalf is like, no. <laughs> I mean, Gandalf says, uh, others may contest your will when it has turned to madness <laughs> and evil. It was turning madness and evil. Well, yes, of course. And so, no, you don't have that kind of absolute authority over other people, over any other people, even your servants. And not even over yourself. Right? And that, I agree, Brittany, is a really important point. 
Authority is not given to you to rule the hour of your death. You don't have dominion even over yourself. And this is something that, of course, I mean, the, 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 the con- we get several clear contrasts to Dennis North outlook at this moment. His decision to kill himself, even leaving aside his decision to kill Faramir too, but his decision to kill himself. We have Theoden, we have Aemir, we will have all of them, the whole army, in the following chapters. We, it's not our place to think of ourselves, first and foremost. It's not our place to rule the... Not, I mean, ironically, what they do is sort of, it's, it's like they are ruling the hour of Rome, and they say, hey, I have an idea, let's all march out and die. Right, so it's almost like they are ruling, but, but of course in a very different sense. Right? They are not seeking themselves. They are not seeking their own will. They are giving it up. They are submitting. And there is certainly a trend of when you do, when you respond that way, good things happen. Not necessarily always to you. It's not like Theoden has, as Sam would say, what people inside the story would call a good end. He dies. He doesn't live. Amir gets the catastrophe right away. You know, he's in the, the response to his stories is to be the first one to see the banner unfurl on the ship. Um, but Theoden is still dead at the end. Um, and as Sam says, the people who make the good choices, the people who are in the heroes of the great stories, don't always come to what people inside the story call a good end. But it's still good story. It's still an important story. It's still good, even if tragic. Um, this, by the way, was what Liz Bateman wrote her thesis on last year, which was an excellent thesis, The Role of Tragedy uh, in Tolkien, and, and how tragedy keeps coming back and being discussed as if it's a positive and a hopeful thing. Um, when people are upset, they always want to hear stories about Stories in which horrible things happen and, 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 and people die. Even uh, the point that Liz made in her thesis, which was really wonderful, at uh, this point, the thesis and this point were really wonderful, which was with, remember in the Fellowship of the Rain when the Black Riders are about to attack them under Weathertop and they're feeling, they're all sitting around the fire and feeling really worried and they say, uh, they suggest somebody tell a story. They want Sam to recite the story of the fall of Yogoad and, and Aragorn's like, no, maybe not that one. Let's not talk about Sauron right now. Uh, and, and, and so, so Sam says, "Well, sing us something else, uh, something, something from the old days." How's this uh, first age story from the Silmarillion, Aragorn? And Aragorn's like, "All right, I'll tell you the story of Baron and Luthien." And he sings the lay of Baron and Luthien, and then gives a little plot synopsis afterwards. And the point that Liz made in her thesis is. If you look at the song that he sings, and the, his, especially his synopsis at the end, he like skims over the happy bits from that story. He tells only the tragic elements from that story. Um, like, you could easily spin that story to make it sound more hopeful. I mean, you could say, oh yeah, we're, under, we're being oppressed by evil right now, things are looking pretty bad, so let me tell the story of how... Two people, through their devotion, conquered and like defeated Morgoth himself. Like you can spin it that way; it wouldn't be hard, right? How their love, they, through their love, they overcame death and returned and lived in bliss. That'd be a good story, but that's not how he casts it. He talks about death and loss and suffering, and, and yet 
this lifts the hearts of the hearts. And seems by implication even to get its own, its own as soon as he stops the writer's attack, almost like we just have to wait for him to stop singing about Baron Luthien and then we can finally attack already. It's not, it doesn't say explicitly that, but it's almost like that is how it happened. Um, this all comes back again to hope and despair, optimism and pessimism. Um, it doesn't mean if you make the right choice, things are, are going to work out well for you. We don't see that happen. Not all the time. It happens sometimes, but not all the time. Um, but another important link between pride and despair is not just the personal one of his wanting to rule himself. He's Mr. I have a Palantir and I have seen many things. Um, surely he's picked up on the fact that there is an heir of Isildur still out there? What does he say about that? Um, he says, um, you know, the fleet of the black sails are doing very well. And then the west of sails, it is uh, kind of in hard space. And then he says, with left hand, thou would excuse me for a little while, shielding this water, and with the right, you're not the remainder of the world. So he's, he doesn't want to get that. He doesn't want anyone to get that. Yes. And he says, he even says, his, and even if his claim were proved, he is but of the line of Isabel. He is the steward of Gondor. Isabel's, the house of, Isabel's been this ragged house living, you know, in the bushes in the north compared to the glory of Gandalf. Remember what Gandalf says in public when he arrives in Minas Tirith. This is on page 735. He has some pretty ominous things to say. Ominous, and this would be ominous especially for Theoden. Not for Theoden, I'm sorry, for Denethor. When he arrives, he comes in the gate of Gondor. Mithrandir, Mithrandir, men cry. Now we know that the storm is indeed nigh. It is upon you, said Gandalf. I have ridden on its wings. Let me pass. I must come to your lord Denethor while his stewardship lasts. While his stewardship lasts. I've got to hurry because his stewardship is almost over and i got to get there before it's over. Right? Whatever betide, you have come to the end of the Gondor that you have known. Let me pass. Whatever happens, the Gondor you have known is over. Win or lose, it's gone. Somebody else has that same situation. Well, hang on, we'll come back to that in a second. Denethor responds to that explicitly. Gandalf asks him, what would you choose? If you could have your will, what would you choose? And what does he say? What does he choose? I would have things to do in all the days of my life. Yes. And to have a son that would succeed him, who would be a real son and not some wizard's pupil. Um, I would have things as they were all the days of my life but you can't have that it's going to change one way or another and his response if I can't have that then I will have not not honor diminished or loved halved or honor abated life diminished or love halved Um, 
If I can't have things the way they've been all my life, then I will have nothing. Now, someone else has been in exactly that same position. No matter what happens, the one thing that cannot happen is that things will be as they have been. Yes, Galadriel says the same thing. This is why she says to Frodo, your coming is like the hour of doom. Because, one way or another, either the ring is going to be destroyed, and the power of the three rings will wane, or Sauron is going to reclaim the one ring, and the power of the three rings will immediately vanish because they'll take them off and can't use them anymore. So, one way or another, Lothlorien is done, as it's been. Um, it is the end of the age. It is the end of a time. Now, his response, Denethor's response, is exactly unlike Galadriel's response. She makes the right choice. What's the right choice? When she's... Hell, yeah. She's, when she says, I passed the test, she says, I will diminish, go into the West, and remain Galadriel. Diminishing is exactly the choice that Denethor has before him, too. He could fight. Fight for his city, fight for his kingdom, and then Gandalf's response is when he says, I, I will not have, have, have you know, honored, diminished. Gandalf says, I would not think that a steward who faithfully performs his office is diminished in honor. That's your, like, yielding to the king... Yeah, that's, your, that's like, good job. You, you said you like the, you're a great steward. You're just a steward, after all. And this is Gandalf, Mr. I too am a steward. Do you not know it's not an insult on his part to say this? But what Denethor does not choose is to diminish. He won't diminish. If he's going to diminish, he'd rather be nothing. And that's what he chooses. And there, pride. Pride and despair. Um, he... You can see the same pride evidenced in his rationale for why he would want to have the ring. Oh, it'd be so much better if the ring had come to me in a stirrup. Right. So I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use it until the end was, like, so close that we couldn't fend it off in any other way. And it wouldn't, so it wouldn't matter anyway, really. And Gandalf says, hearing you, is like, you know, no, I don't trust you in hearing you, I trust you less. And I mean, from a distance, Denethor is having his own little ring monologue action there in that scene. The only person that I know of who has a ring monologue not in the presence of the ring even, right? Uh, and Gandalf also says, you think as is your want of Gondor only. Even if Gondor falls, but Sauron is defeated... That's still a win, actually. Again, you're only thinking, you're only thinking of yourself, and of course, that's exactly the opposite of the decision that Aragorn and Gandalf and Imrahil and, and Eomir make in the last debate. It may be that the armies of Gondor will be completely crushed and we will all die, but if the Ringbearer succeeds in his quest, net win. Um, and that's precisely what Denethor won't say. All right, I had a shrewd suspicion that I would not get to 
chapter one of book six today, but we will pick up with Frodo and Sam and Mordor next time. Now, watch how the despair and hope stuff gets applied to Frodo and Sam, because they will talk about these terms too, and there are some different things at stake for them than for the others, so keep an eye on that. We'll come back to that next time. All right. Next time, in theory, we will discuss the first five chapters of book six. That's rather a tall order, but I certainly do hope to get as far as the cracks of doom. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed.